today we're going to talk about something that people don't talk enough about. I think the subject at Christmas time, but I think it comes up a whole lot. And that's the subject of disappointment. You know, Christmas is this season of joy and fun and gifts, but there's always disappointment. And I'm not talking about that you wanted a go-kart and you got a bicycle disappointment. I mean bigger things. Like, like maybe right now you were expected to be at a different place in your life. You expected your marriage to be in a different place. You expected your family to be in a different place. Maybe you thought you'd have kids by now and you were not able to have kids. Maybe you tried to adopt and that's not working out. You know, maybe you tried to go to college and you didn't get to do what you wanted to do and, and there's a relationship you thought was God's will and it's not working out. And, and, and here's what I'm keenly aware of. Some of you are facing a Christmas this year without the person you loved the most on this earth. And you prayed about that and you hoped God would heal that person and you lost them. And every year, people deal with this, and it feels like we're supposed to cover that up, or we're supposed to not acknowledge that, and we're supposed to, you know, be joyous and happy because it's the season of, of Christ's birth, and that there's something wrong with acknowledging, you know what, I don't feel right right now. I, this is not what I thought I would have. And if we're honest with us, with ourselves, some of us are disappointed even with God. You know, you thought God would come through for you. You thought things would be different, and God can do anything, so why didn't he do this for me, I want to give you permission to own that emotion right now, okay? That you know what? I'm disappointed because I've been there. And I think anybody that's honest with themselves and as a person of faith, you've thought God was going to do something and it didn't work out. And actually the story of Christmas, the ancient, great, beautiful story we find in Luke chapter two of Christmas actually has a lot of disappointment in it. Remember I told you last week that there's a period of time between the Old Testament and the New Testament of about 400 years where God doesn't speak. There's no angel voices, there's no prophets, there's no preachers. It's like God doesn't speak. Well, he starts to speak again, and he goes out in the middle of the Galilean hillside, and he speaks to shepherds. In Luke chapter 2, an angel shows up, and here's what he says. Don't be afraid, because I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord. I love how he just like says it three times. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord has been born. You know why we have a Savior? Because God gave us what we really needed. If all we needed, there are some people who live their whole life for education. If all we needed, God would have sent the teacher, right? If all we needed was, you know, just more advice, God would have sent the counselor, you know, if all we needed was, you know, our, our bodies to be healed, maybe he sends a physician. But God knew we needed hope and joy and peace and we needed forgiveness. And so God sent us a savior. And it says the savior is born uh, in, the, in, in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you'll recognize him by this sign. Everybody say sign. So everybody say sign. It's a really important sign. You find the baby wrapped not like a king would be wrapped in purple and in a, you know, in a palace, but in snuggly strips of cloth lying in a manger. That's, that word is so quaint and cute because what we've made it into, but it means a, a feeding trough for a nasty. You ever fed a horse? You ever fed a horse? Like a little bit comes in and a lot slobbers out. It's gross, right? I mean, we've, we've so cleaned up this idea of the way this whole thing went down, but in reality, it went down a, di a little bit of a different way than what we feel, right? And this sign is that you shouldn't find the savior of the world in this nasty place. But it was a sign that something, God was up to something. 
And, and so the, the story goes on and says, suddenly the angel was joined by vast hope, uh, host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And say these next three words with me, church, and peace on earth to those of whom God is pleased. That's kind of the phrase that we've associated with Christmas, peace on earth. It's everywhere. It's on greeting cards. It's on little ornaments that hang on our trees. It's in pictures. But I'd like to suggest to you today that the people who actually lived out this story 2,000 years ago, it was a lot less like peace on earth and a lot more like hell on earth. And, you know, really, you might be in a similar place where you've got this expectation of what it means to serve God, what it means to be a person of faith, to have a family of faith, and it's just really not turning out the way you thought it was going to turn out. And when you look in this story, you know, what, what, do you, what do you do when you're doing everything you're supposed to do? You're doing it right, the right way, and things are still not working out for you. What do you do when you're disappointed with God? Let's think about this real young couple. All right, we've got two people, a real young couple who had dreamed, Mary and Joseph, had dreams and hopes and aspirations. There are things they wanted to see happen in their life, but, but they're unfairly criticized and they're, they're talked about and shamed and publicly humiliated. They have this traumatic birth, you know, uh, in, in a nasty stable, right? Then immediately they're running for their lives because King Herod wants to kill their baby, and all this trouble and disappointment, not because they disobeyed God, but because they did exactly what God told them to do. Now, now just for fun, let's put this in the modern context. We've got two young people, all right? You got Joe, who's a little bit older. Maybe he's, he could be 10 years older than Mary, because in those days, it was pretty common that the girl got married really early, like mid-teenagers years, like crazy early in our context. And the man was a little older because he's got to have a career and have money. And so they're still young people. Mary and Joe are in love, right? Joe has decided, okay, I got me a job. I know what I'm doing. I'm a carpenter. I'm going to make some money and I'm going to marry this girl if she'll, if she'll have me. So he decides, pop the question, right? He's going to, he's saved up all his money. He's bought a ring, man. He's ready to, to marry this girl. And uh, he's got it all planned out. You know, he takes her out to dinner. He takes her over to the Bethlehem Bridge, you know, right at sunset. The water's coming over there. His best friend got his iPhone out, you know, sneaking around, taking pictures. He drops down to one knee. They put all the pictures up on Instagram, hashtag, you know, forever, you know, <laughs> blessed, you know. She said yes. You know, all that stuff. And, and it's crazy. Like, it's blowing up social media. It's going to be perfect. And then they've got plans from there. They've got big plans. We're going to get, you know, married now, and, and it's going to be great. We're going to honeymoon in Rome. Man, that's going to be awesome, you know. We're going to live in this starter apartment because we're paying off your student loans because you went to trade school and you didn't get, you know, so we're paying that off. And, and then we're going to, you're going to start your own business. And as soon as Joe, you know, has some help in his business, they'll start having babies. And it really makes a lot of sense, and it's God-honoring, and there's nothing wrong with it, and yet God interrupts that plan. And he has his own plan, and God's plan is kind of complicated, and, and it's untimely and inconvenient, and it's really an unfair assignment. An angel comes to a, a girl who's about 14 or 15 years old. I know that sounds crazy, but it was culturally appropriate. That's when they got married. She's about 14 or 15 years old and, and tells her, you are already pregnant, I know you haven't been with your, your boyfriend, you haven't been with any man, but the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you are pregnant. And Mary says the most 
amazing thing. I mean, you just kind of read through it. You don't think that much of it. But she says, let my life be according to your plan. Come on, ladies. How hard would that be? You have found the man of your dreams. Y'all have talked. You've decided. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how our life's going to go. This is the next steps we're going to go. And then all of a sudden, after a two-minute conversation with an angel nonetheless, you say, okay, my plan is scrapped. Let my, my life be your plan. But she is on a high. She has seen an angel. She, she can't believe she and Joseph have been chosen. She can't wait to tell him. She's so excited, but he's devastated. He doesn't believe her story. Would you guys, would you believe this? Hey, you know, I know we're about to get married. You know, and I know I've been real faithful. I hadn't laid hands on you, but by the way, I'm pregnant. And God did it. I mean, he's like, he doesn't believe her. He thinks she's a liar. And she's not only a liar, she's crazy. Because she thinks God does stuff like that. Like, so, so Joseph is done with this. He, he is, he is uh, he's going to uh, divorce her. He's devastated. She's devastated. And, and the scripture tells us, if you look in Matthew, it kind of tells it like this. The birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came this way. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they, they came together, that's nice Bible language for saying before they had sex, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, the customs. He decided he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. See, if she'd been publicly disgraced as being unfaithful before the marriage, she could actually have been stoned. It was pretty harsh. And so he had it in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, how, how could they be divorced when they weren't actually married? Well, there's, there's two stages to the Hebrew marriage. It's the Kedushan is the first stage, and that's what they were in. It's kind of like engagement, but it's more of a true legal contract. So they would, they would be uh, engaged in this way for maybe a year or 18 months. And, you know, uh, she would legally be his wife. Although they didn't, they didn't live together, they didn't consummate the marriage, they hadn't had the wedding yet. That's, that's the stage that they were in right there. And, and so I tell you that to tell you, Joseph is bought in. I mean, this guy is all in on this. This is what I want to do. And so he's crushed that he feels like she was unfaithful. And he's humiliated. He feels publicly he's been humiliated and his life is ruined. And I can imagine he's going, this does not seem like our story is starting out like peace on earth. You know, some of the greatest stories that God enacts in a person's life start off really sideways. Like it's just not what I thought was going to happen. I, I tell you this because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God is working out something in your life. Can you say amen in faith? He is doing something. He has a plan for you. And sometimes that plan gets all sideways. It doesn't look the way you expected it to look. And yet he still has something. He, he still is working out a purpose for you. So, so for these people, think about it. The invitations have all been sent out, man, they're ready to get married and they pull the plug on the whole thing. There's a public humiliation, but there's even more a, a personal, you know, betrayal that Joseph feels. And, and Mary must have felt betrayed too, because Surely Joseph will believe me. I've never lied to him before. This is a God thing. And think about Mary. Like, she's a teenage girl, and her life's already over. Because when you've been divorced in this ancient Jewish culture, you're done. You don't marry anybody else, and you, there's not a really good way to have much of an income. She's basically got a life of poverty in front of her for the rest of her life. And we don't get any scripture 
of Mary's prayers to God, but I would imagine they go something like this. God, didn't I not do what you asked me to do? Didn't you tell me things about peace on earth, goodwill to men? Didn't you tell me about God's favor resting? How can this look like your favor, God? How can this be your grace on my life? How could this be peace on earth? This is not peace on earth. This is hell on earth. And as bad as it was there, the angel's going to show up to Joseph. Joseph's going to hear, and he's going to know that, that this is actually God's plan, but it's going to actually get worse. And this story's relevant 2,000 years later because you and I, we are people of faith. We want to see God do something in our lives. We want to be obedient to his call. But do you find yourself also praying prayers like that? Maybe like, God, where, where? I, I felt like I did right. God, I, I thought I was doing what I was supposed to do. Why haven't you healed my marriage yet? God, I thought I was supposed to do this. How... How am I not able to have children now? Or, or God, why is this relationship so messed up? I felt like I did everything you wanted me to do. Maybe you're like Leslie and I, and you tried to have children. You had such a struggle with that. And, 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 and there's this long period of wondering, what, what else do we do, God? Or then you decided to go across this hurdle, and you said, like Leslie and me, we're going to adopt. We're going to you know, sacrifice. Our family's going to all get in unity. Let's do it. And you expected babies to start dropping into our laps, and it doesn't work that way either, right? And you're wondering, maybe you're in a place like that. Now you're wondering, God, where are you? There's two things in this story I, I, I want to just sort of put together. Two, it's a simple two-point message for you today. And I want you to remember these two facts. The first one is this. You don't have to understand God's plan to trust God's purpose. Can I get a big old amen for that? Like you don't have to know what's going down. You don't have to see the next steps to just say, you know what, God, I'm going to trust that you have a purpose in my life. This is not going the way I wanted it to go. This doesn't feel what I thought it would feel, but somehow I can still trust you. Now, why is that important? Watch this verse right here in Proverbs 19 and 21. It says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's what, church? Purpose that prevails. You got plans, and I love the way this verse says it. You, you have many plans. I'm going to plan to do this. I'm planning to do that. I'm going to do this over here. You give up those plans. You start new plans. Can I get an amen to that? You ever done that? Like you got it all figured out, and then you realize that really wasn't a good plan. And God goes, "Yeah, I get you. You got all kind of plans, but there is something that's bigger and better than your plans, and it is the purpose of God. There's something you want to see happen, but there's a higher purpose." We, we have plans, but can you acknowledge that God's plan is better than your plan and that God's plan is tied to a bigger purpose, you know, and that's really where the trusting starts, just believing that there's a, a bigger purpose. But here's the awesome part, and here's why you want God's plan. The awesome part is this promise that you've got all kind of plans in your heart. That's the end of that line. There's nothing else after that. You've got plans in your heart. But look, when we start talking about the Lord's purpose, it says that purpose is going to do what? It's going to prevail. I mean, there may be nobody on your side but the Lord. But that old adage is true. One man in God is a majority. Can I hear an amen? Because his purpose is going to prevail. You know, Mary and Joseph had plans. They had to scrap their plans. And when they got on God's purpose, man, nobody was down with that. Not her parents, not the priest. Nobody that they knew was down with that plan. But they had God on their side. And if you've got God on your side, you've got enough. I'm talking to somebody here today. You're taking a step of faith. You're stepping out 
out in, in, in waters that people don't think you ought to be in. Maybe you're there too soon or maybe you're doing the wrong thing. But you've heard from God. You've talked to God. It seems insurmountable. It seems impossible to you. But let me tell you, one person, one woman, one man who has gotten along with God can trust that there may be lots of plans that other people have. But when you have found God's purpose, you have found what will prevail. I wish somebody would give him praise for his purpose. That thing cannot be taken away from you because one person in the purpose of God is a majority. You don't have to understand the plan to just trust God. I know you. I know who you are. I know what your word says. I'm going to trust your purpose. I don't know what you're doing, but I trust your character. I know you are love. I know you are trustworthy. I know that you have a future and a hope for me, and I'm going to trust your purpose. You got it? Say, I got it. Here's the other thing I want you to know. Your disappointment with God might actually be a divine appointment from God. I was like, I got a whoop and a mm, real close. I felt like I should get like 47 more amens to that, all right? Because this is really good and it's true in this Christmas story. Your disappointment with God might actually be a divine appointment from God. Somebody give me a whoop or something. That's good. Thank you. Y'all are so good to me. I appreciate it. No, God is doing something else. And, and when you're disappointed with, with what he's doing, if you look closely, he's doing something. You can see it. You can sense it. He's, sometimes you overlook it because he's not doing what you wanted him to do, but he's dropping nuggets. Do you know that? God will drop little nuggets of, 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 of hope and blessing and something to remind you that he's still there, that it's not over, that he still has a plan, even if it goes off your plan. Now, if you're as old as me and you've served God a long time, you probably can look back on a few of those moments and see some plans that didn't work your way and you're thankful they worked God's way. When I was in high school, uh, I played a little basketball and I wanted to be the next Michael Jordan, uh, but I wasn't like close. So <laughs> that didn't work out. And I knew I couldn't go to college on my basketball skills. So I, I tried out, uh, uh, I was a musician uh, and I, I auditioned to go to college on a music scholarship. And um, I, I tried out at two schools. I tried out at Troy University and at the University of Alabama. And I wanted to go to Alabama because of the Alabama football program. That's always the best way to pick your educational future based on your favorite football team. I had knew nothing about what they could do for me. I didn't even know what I wanted to do for my college career. I just wanted to roll tide. I wanted to go, you know. Uh, but I tried out first at, at Troy, and I crushed it that day. You know, if you're a musician, you know, like, some days you're on, some days you're off. Like, I nailed it. I was perfect that day. There were 26 people in my category in the same instrument. Uh, they ranked us from 1 to 26. They were all, all over the southeast. I ranked number one. They offered me a scholarship immediately. It was a great day. For me, it was just a warm-up for Alabama, though. I couldn't wait to get to Alabama and go try out. And, you know, so I tried out about two or three weeks later. Some of the same people that I had you know, beaten at Troy are auditioning against me at Alabama and, and some more people and about the same number of people in the same scenario. And I was horrible. I came in second to last. 
they were like, thank you for coming, Mr. Lawson. <laughs> no scholarship, nothing like that. And I was so disappointed. I ended up, you know, going to Troy. I was super blessed. There's so many things happened. I loved that school. It was great for me. But I can see that God put together my destiny through the path I would not have chosen. You know, when I got there, I, I, my, my first class I enrolled in was honors English composition. And I, I wrote my first paper. And when I got it back, it looked like the woman's red ink pen had broken and spilled out all over it. Everything just wrote. It looked like I did everything wrong. Got a D minus on my first paper. She invited me back to talk about it. I was like, of course you did. It's time to change classes. And uh, she said, hey, I want you to go to the writing center. They have tutoring there. I was like, yeah. She says, I want you to be a tutor. And I was like, uh, I, you probably got your wires crossed. I made a D minus on this paper. She said, no, everybody else in the class made an F. You had the highest grade in the class. It's like, okay. And I went over there and with her recommendation, that's what I did all through school. I, I worked as a tutor all through school and worked like two other jobs, but that's, that's part of what I did all through school. And here's what was, what's really God in that whole thing. There was a lady there named Dr. Lee and she was teaching me how to write. You know, that was what I would do at work and, and, and with her, my, I had a lot of time with her. She, was, she taught me how to formulate my thoughts and get what was in my heart out on paper in a way that's orderly and compelling to people. And she talked about getting your message out. She didn't know and I didn't know that I had a message to get out, you know, but guess who did know? God knew, God knew, God knew that one day I'd get this message out on this day, right? And so I, I wasn't planning on being a preacher, but God started dropping things in my heart that were not just writing things, but that they were actually God things. And, and he started letting me know that what you're going to do with your life is you're going to take my message that I'm going to put in your heart. You're going to get that out. And so, and, and, and then I didn't know that the little church I would go to, the pastor would leave and they wouldn't have a preacher. And so like, I would say, I'm a preacher, kind of, uh, I'll preach. And so I'm 19 years old and I'm preaching every Sunday. I also didn't know when I got disappointed over in Alabama that I would end up in Troy and right up the road that I would fall in love with this beautiful girl that went to college 40 miles away and we would get married and we God give us three amazing kids and I'd pastor the greatest church in the world and we'd be married 28 years yesterday. Like I didn't know all that stuff. When God said, no, I'm not going to give you what you want. You're going to do it this way. You know, there's, there's something you can do in that moment. You can pout or you can pick up the pieces and go see what God can do with those pieces. You know, you've got something in your heart or in your head that you want to accomplish. And yet God, if I could just take us backwards one more time to this verse, many are the plans in a person's heart. This isn't, guys, this is written 3,000 years ago. Countless millions, I might even say billions of people have come to realize we've got all kind of plans in our heads and in our hearts, but there's a purpose of God that's bigger than all of those plans. And that's, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for that divine appointment. Forget about the disappointment that God didn't give you what you wanted and he didn't give you what you thought you were going to get. Remember that beyond the disappointment is a divine appointment. You've got plans but God's got a purpose. You've got hopes and dreams. God's got something that will fulfill all of those. And that is why Jesus said uh, in, in the most famous sermon there ever was, the Sermon on the Mount, he said, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all the other things that you want and hope for will be added to you. In God's time and in God's way, those things will happen in your life. And it happened for Mary and Joseph.
Caesar Augustus issues this ridiculous decree that the whole world, the known world and his kingdom are going to go back to their hometown for a census. Remember, that's why they had to go to Bethlehem. That's why we've got those little cute, uh, you know, little uh, ornaments hanging on the tree or Christmas cards with Mary on a donkey and Joseph walking beside her. Isn't that sweet and cute? And you look at that and you're like, oh, that must have been precious when they did that. She was nine months pregnant on a donkey. It was 90 miles. Now, you've all been 90 miles, but I bet you haven't been 90 miles on a donkey. Pregnant. It's a two-week journey. I don't want to go 90 miles with a pregnant woman, you know, in a Lincoln Navigator, right? <laughs> she's angry. She's hungry. She's got to pee every few miles, right? I mean, I know what it's like, right, to have a pregnant wife. This is a different level. This is, this is dangerous. So in, the, in the, the Galilean desert, an area they would pass through, it was freezing at night, snow falling every night. There was forest, uh, a deeply forested area close by. And uh, with people traveling a lot, there was robbers that would hide out in that forest and they would come and just beat you up and take your stuff. Joseph young man has chosen to believe what he can't rationalize in his head and he's going to protect this woman he's trusting in even though biologically scientifically mentally this couldn't work he's trusting in the purpose of God and and there's actually wild animals wild boars bears are in those woods Joseph's there and can you imagine the last few miles she starts having contractions. Joseph is hustling, man. He's trying to find somewhere. He's running red lights. I mean, he's got the donkey moving. Like He's looking for a hotel. There's nowhere to stay. They end up in a barn. Y'all, you, you, and I'm not talking about HGTV shiplap wall barn. I'm talking like nasty cave cut out, filthy animals barn. I, I had a job one time cleaning horse poop uh, out of a barn. All right, that was pretty gross, but... Back, backwards 2,000 years, I bet it was nastier. I bet there wasn't a whole lot of shoveling and cleaning going on. Like, wrap your head around. We have so cleaned up and anesthetized that moment. But I'm trying to get you to realize that the plan and purpose of God can sometimes be a very ugly, disappointing experience in the moment. Imagine, ladies, having a baby. Imagine having a baby when you're 15 or 16 years old when you didn't ask for this. Imagine having a baby in a nasty cave with animals there, right? Imagine, oh, and by the way, guess who showed up? Ladies, you've just wrapped your baby in some nasty cloth and put them in a feeding trough of an animal. I've cleaned that too, boy, that's nasty. And homeless men show up and want to hold the baby. Oh, I know you've seen the nativity. It's just shepherds and stuff and their fluffy little garments. They never went indoors. Their clothes never saw a washing machine. They didn't bathe. You do the math. What did that look like? How did that smell? Busting up in there holding, you know, angels. I'm like, I don't care about no angels. You get out. No, this is all because this baby was not for them. This baby was for the whole world. This baby was for you. This baby was for me. Think about Mary. Fast forward Mary's life to the cross. 
She was told peace on earth and she's been through hell on earth. Now she's at the foot of the cross and they have watched her baby boy who's never done anything wrong. He's never harmed anyone. All he's ever done is loved people, healed people, given hope to people. He's defended the defenseless. He's cared for the people nobody cared for. Now they have stripped him naked and they have beaten him bloody. And she watches them torture him to death. And all he says is, Father, forgive them. Does this sound like peace on earth? Yeah, it's peace that I feel in my heart today. It's peace that's available for you. But for the people that were in the plan, it was hell on earth. And I just want to tell you that the the plan that you're walking out right now, the plan of God, don't judge it by the moment you're in right now. Don't give up on it because it's not happening right now. This all happened because a little girl said yes to the most remarkable question. Will you do this? And she said, may my life not be what I had planned, but may my life be what you had planned. I have a running argument with some friends of mine who are uh, dime store theologians who don't like the song, Mary, Did You Know? If you're on our staff, you know about this argument I have because they say, of course, Mary knew it was all prophesied. Really? Show me the chapter and verse, you know, about how she's running from wild boars in the freezing cold, nine months pregnant on the back of a donkey. She didn't know. She didn't know it'd be like this. She didn't know that she was giving that much when she said yes to God. And you know, in your own life, you've said yes to God, maybe. Maybe you've promised to follow and obey and hear his voice and guide your life by his will. And and maybe that's not right now turning out the way you hoped it would. Your plans may not happen, but his purpose absolutely will. And, And Mary's plans didn't happen, but God's purpose did. Let me show you this last verse. Here was God's purpose that Mary will give birth to a son and give him the name Jesus because, everybody say that word, because. Why? Why Why is all this crazy stuff happening? Because he will save his people from their sins. That word save is a Greek word, uh, soterio, and it means to rescue, to reach down in the worst and rescue. That's, That's the purpose. I, for one, am so thankful Joe and Mary didn't get their plan to happen because I'm one of those people who needed to be saved. I'm so thankful the purpose of God prevails when the plans of man do not. Oh, the best advice I could give you today would be to just lay your plans on the altar and say, God, maybe this plan works out, maybe it doesn't. But what I really want is your purpose in my life. I promise you his purpose is the best thing for you, even when it doesn't feel like it in the moment. His purpose will prevail.